Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. This Christmas season, we invite you to look deeper into the incredible covenants God made with His people in Scripture. Tune into our current series, Gift Wrapped, From Longing to Lavish, to discover God's unwavering promises to meet the ultimate longings of our heart and ultimately renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. Well, the sermon series that we're looking at, it captures this idea of, of gift wrapping and this whole idea that, that we have of, of covering our gifts and putting them under a tree and making uh, our kids wait until Christmas to open them up. But why do we do that? Why do we wrap gifts? I think one of the reasons why we wrap gifts is because we want to look really good. You know, as I thought about it, I think there's three different type of gift wrappers. The first type of person who, who wraps their gift is those who want to make it beautiful. How many of you are the beautiful gift wrappers? All right, all right. So we have those. That's my wife, Stacy. She makes sure all the, the corners are folded, the ribbons all nice, six-inch ribbon curls. Six inches. Uh, the second person that you have is the functional gift wrapper. How many of you guys are functional gift wrappers? Yeah, that's me too. I just throw it in a bag, throw a little tissue paper in it, call it good. Doesn't matter if it's a Christmas bag. It could be a birthday bag. They'll like it anyway. So the functional gift wrapper. Then finally, there's a third category, the maniacal gift wrapper. Uh, Stacy's brother was one of those. He actually would take a small gift, put it inside a small box, then he'd wrap it in 16 layers of duct tape. Then he'd take it, he'd put it in, nah, I'm not joking, 16 layers. Then he'd put it in a larger box and do the same and so on and so forth. Then he'd hide it in a snowbank and give her a map to a scavenger hunt in which she could then find her gift in the snowbank, spend the rest of her Christmas day unwrapping this beautiful surprise. So we have these three different type of gift wrappers. And, and you know, that, that's one of the reasons why we wrap gifts. But I think another reason is the idea of mystery, Right? Those who are giving the gift, they, they get to have all this anticipation for the day that that person opens their present. And they say, well, what's their reaction going to be? Or those who are receiving the gift, they, they get to look forward to what is in that gift. And there's this mystery that covers wrapping gifts. You know, in the same way, we as Christians anticipate and we know that Jesus Christ is the greatest gift ever given. Amen. And Jesus Christ, the, the, the mystery of Jesus Christ is shrouded throughout the Old Testament. It's interesting because as we look at the Old Testament, we see pictures of Jesus, but you really have to look to follow the thread of Jesus throughout the Old Testament until we get to the fulfillment of the promises in the Old Testament, which is Jesus Christ himself. So as we look at this sermon series, our hope is that we can dive into the Old Testament and we can worship Jesus again, fresher and newer this Christmas season. And as we're diving into the Old Testament, the first covenant we want to look at today is the covenant of God with Noah. So please open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 9. Genesis is the first book in the Bible. Table of contents, Genesis. Genesis chapter 9, and today we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 17. 
And as we dive into this text, we're going to, uh, to look at God's promise to Noah and God's covenant with Noah. Now, if you're wondering what a covenant is, we're going to dive into that a little bit more. We're going to pull that out. We're going to talk about what a covenant is. And really what we're looking at here is God is creating a new start for humanity. And we're going to be looking at this covenant from God to God's people, which at this time is Noah and his family. So the first thing we'll see is the covenant recipients in verses 8 through 10. Let's read that together. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. So we have to talk about what's going on here before we see the covenant of God with Noah and his family. So we look back in the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. On the sixth day, he creates human beings. He puts Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, this beautiful paradise. He tells them to only not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what do they do? They eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They sin. Sin and death enter into the world. And from that point forward, human beings continually got more wicked and more evil. Until in Genesis chapter 6, God regrets that he created human beings. The reason why he regrets that he created human beings is because every inclination of man's heart was only evil all the time. Now think of that reality. Think about living in the world that Noah lived in. And God grieves that he created mankind. So much so that because of the wickedness and evil of mankind, God is going to pour out his judgment and wrath upon human beings. Yet it's interesting to see here because our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what we see here is two different sides of God's character. We see that God is holy and must punish sin. But we also see that God is gracious and merciful and loving. See, what happens is God is going to destroy the entire earth with a flood. Yet he comes to Noah and he tells Noah that this is going to happen. And he tells Noah to build a giant ship. He tells him to build an ark. Now you have to think about what it would have been like to be Noah. You see, Noah, he lived in the desert. And God comes to him, he says, hey, Noah, I'm going to flood the entire earth with rain. Noah most likely wouldn't have known what rain was. It's probable that there was never rain before this time. If we look back in Genesis, it actually said that the, the ground was watered from this mist that existed within the earth. And so you, God would have come to Noah, it would have been, I'm going to cause it to rain and flood the earth. He'd have been like, what is that? But Noah trusts God, and he builds this gigantic ship. It's about the size of a cruise ship. It's called an ark. I, uh, Stacy and I got the opportunity to go a few months ago to this thing called the Ark Experience in Kentucky. If you haven't gotten a chance to go there, I highly recommend it. What they actually did is they rebuilt the ark 
with the specifications from the Bible. And I have a couple pictures here to show you. So this is the door of the ark. This is the, how they would have entered in and out. This is the dimensions of the door. It's gigantic. Just to give you an idea, I'm six foot four. So this door is huge. Next picture, please. And so uh, this here is the ark. The way I have to describe it to you is I've gotten a chance to go on a cruise ship and, and it's very, very similar. The thing is three stories high, you walk up to it and you feel so, so tiny. And Noah and his family would have built this ark in faith that one day it was going to rain and the earth was going to be flooded. Can you imagine what the people around him would have been doing? These wicked, evil people. They would have been making fun of him all the time. They're in a desert. Well, God's word comes to fruition. And the Lord causes it to rain. It rains for 40 days and 40 nights. And water comes from the sky and comes from the ground and it floods the entire earth. And every living thing, every human being, every animal is killed because of the wickedness of the human heart and sin. Besides Noah and his family, whom God showed grace to. Now Noah and his family, they are on the ark for over a year. Yes, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, but it took over a year for that water to recede and dry ground to show again. Imagine being Noah. You're on a cruise ship with tons of animals that he brought on the ark to preserve, it's stinky, it's nasty, and you're with your family for an entire year closed up with a bunch of stinky, nasty animals. Imagine what that must have been like. And then one day, the dry ground comes and you can walk out on it. Now imagine walking out of that ship for the very first time, knowing that you are the only living family on earth. Imagine the tension there. Imagine the tension of, of feeling as if you, you have no certainty of what's going to happen, but also being so thankful that you were preserved. And what we see in our text today is God comes and he establishes his promise to Noah, his covenant to Noah. Noah comes out, offers a sacrifice to God. God comes, he says, listen, I'm going to create a new humanity and here are some of the things that I'm going to do. The first thing that he says in Genesis chapter 9 verse 1, he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Genesis 9, 7, he says it again, be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. What God is saying to Noah is go and have a bunch of babies and refill the earth. And so what he sees here is that, that God is going to repopulate the earth through Noah and his family. And there's something else that God lays out here. Uh, in Genesis chapter 9 verse 3, it says one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is right here. Listen. It says, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. Now let me translate. Before the flood, they were vegetarians. After the flood, we can be carnivores, which means God gave us steak. 
Amen. So God establishes a new creation that we get stake. And then the final thing that he does is he establishes the deep value of human life. He establishes the deep value of human life. So much so that he says that God's own image is on human beings. And that if somebody takes someone else's life, then that person's life will be taken. God deeply values human life from conception to the grave. God deeply values human life. We see that throughout scripture and we see it right here established in his new world. And so he's talking to Noah, he's talking to his family and he's saying what this new world is going to look like. And next God's going to talk to Noah about what he, God, is going to do. He establishes a covenant with Noah. Now, we don't really use the word covenant much in our society. We, we talk more like contracts. That's kind of what we think of, or promises. But I want you to understand a little bit more what a covenant actually is. A covenant can be defined as a solemn commitment of oneself to undertake an obligation. What it is, it's a promise that that person makes that they obligate themselves to fulfill. They put it on themselves that they will fulfill that promise. And it's interesting because if you look at the different ways that God says he's going to establish this covenant, it's amazing. There's three different verb tenses that he uses. The first, he says, I now establish, which means starting right now, I'm doing it. Then he says, I have established which is this present idea. This is the present perfect idea, which means that it's for now and it's for the rest of all eternity. And he says, I now establish, which is in the present. And so all of time is covered with God's covenant that he's going to make. He's a covenant keeping God. Now I want you to understand a little bit more about what a covenant is versus a contract. You see, a contract, it's merely legally binding. A covenant is spiritually binding. A contract cannot, it can be broken. A covenant is for life. Actually, when they used to do covenants in the Old Testament, they would actually commit that covenant on their very life. They'd actually kill animals and they'd walk in between these animals and say, if I break this covenant, may I be like these animals. That was a covenant. It was life long commitment. A contract is an exchange of one thing for another. A covenant is a giving of oneself to another. God obligates himself. He promises it. He gives himself to this covenant with his people. Who does he establish this covenant with? Well, look, look at Genesis 8 through 9, uh, Genesis chapter 9, 8 through 9. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you and every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you. As many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. 
So this covenant is established with Noah and his family and everyone who came from the line of Noah and his family. Now we have to remember that Noah and his family are the only living people on the earth. Therefore, this means every human being after that. This covenant is going to be established with. It also is established with the birds and the livestock and every living creature. God created the animals and God has care for the animals. Now, the human life is, is always valued more than animals because human beings are the only things created in the image of God. Yet God does care for the animals as well and he covenants with them that he uh, will do something and never do something again. So, so we know who this promise, this covenant is to. The next thing we have to look at is what is the covenant? Genesis 9, 11. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the whole earth. It says, I will never again destroy all life on earth with a flood. Never again will I destroy all life on earth with a flood. He promises this to Noah and his family and to all of the living creatures that he will not destroy the earth with a flood again. Now you can imagine being Noah. You just saw all of the entire earth, every living thing destroyed by a flood. You come out of the ark, the first thing you're thinking about is, man, I sure hope that doesn't happen again. Well, God comes, he says, listen, I'm going to protect you and all the earth. I will not destroy the earth with a flood again. Now, it's really interesting because this idea of the flood is something that we see throughout uh, different cultures. There's all sorts of different cultures that have origin stories and that have this idea of a worldwide flood. It's actually almost universal that all these different cultures have stories of worldwide floods. And if we look at that, it proves that the flood actually happened if we have all of these same stories that are happening. But the difference between those stories and the Bible is that the Bible, the, the flood comes because of the wickedness of human heart. In those stories, it was simply a way for their false gods to wipe out all of humanity because of overpopulation. You see, that wasn't the reason why God destroyed the earth. God destroyed the earth because of wickedness of humanity and because he cannot allow sin to go unpunished. Yet we see this concern of God for human beings. He makes this covenant with us, this promise. He obligates himself. To give you an idea how this works out, how a, how a contract or a promise is different than a covenant, you know, I may say to my kiddos, I'm gonna take you for ice cream on Monday. But when I say that, you parents know that when you say something like that, you have covenant with your child in their mind. They obligate you to it. I know my daughter, Kara. I'll like tell her two weeks previously that we're going to go get some Halloween candy or something. She, they have these buckets of Halloween candy that we keep throughout the year and we give it to them when they're good. And so I maybe told them two weeks previously that they're going to get some Halloween candy. Well, sure enough, Two weeks later, she comes and said, Daddy, do you remember the other day when you said that I could have some Halloween candy? 
If I say something around her, she's going to hold me to it. But that's different than a covenant. You see, what God is saying, he is saying that I hold myself accountable to this. And that God himself is the one who establishes, he sustains it, and he's the one who's going to fulfill it. And our God does not lie. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we'll see, this covenant is the beginning of many other covenants that God makes, leading to the fulfillment of that covenant on Christmas Day. So he makes it to all of humanity He promises never to destroy the earth again with a flood. Finally, he gives a sign. Look at verse 12. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between you and every living creature that is with you for all creation. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. This solemn commitment that God makes of obligation of himself comes with a sign. It's interesting because if we look throughout Scripture, every time God makes a covenant, he obligates himself with a sign. When God makes a covenant with Abraham, which we're going to be talking about, when God makes a covenant with Abraham, he gives them the sign of circumcision. If you don't know what that is, kids, ask your parents. Uh, When he makes a covenant with Israel, he gave them the sign of Sabbath. What Sabbath means is rest. We get a gift of one day of rest each week. You may feel exhausted and overworked. Well, ask yourselves, are you taking that gift that God has given you, which is a day of Sabbath, of rest, to not work one day? It's this great gift that the Lord has given us. And here he makes a covenant with Noah and he gives him a sign. And that sign is a bow in the sky. Or, kids, a rainbow. Did you know that the rainbow is the sign from God of his promises? Isn't that amazing? That is what the rainbow is. The rainbow is God's gift to human beings as a sign of his covenant that he has made with all humanity to never flood the earth again. No matter what our culture says a rainbow is, that is what a rainbow is, and that is where it comes from. And it's an amazing thing, isn't it? A rainbow is an absolutely incredible thing. It speaks to us about who our God is and that our God is a faithful, covenant-keeping God. I mean, think about it for just a minute. Have you ever just stopped after a rainstorm and the sun comes out and you look at a rainbow? I've got a couple of pictures here for you I want you to just look at for just a minute. 
this beautiful sign from the Lord. These colors that God himself has created. One of the amazing things to me is there is no color in existence that God has not created. Isn't that incredible? God has made this beautiful sign in the sky. How light reflects with water and it just creates this gorgeous image of the promise of God. Have you ever seen a double rainbow before? Just awe-inspiring, and that is what it should do to us, is to look at a rainbow and say, oh God, you are awesome, you're creative, you're powerful, you're incredible, and you're faithful. Look at that beautiful sign of our God. When we make these covenants, we have signs of that covenant. You know, for me, the best way I can think about it is, when I married Stacy Joy seven and a half years ago, I put this ring on my finger. And I've worn this every single day. What this ring does is it reminds me that I'm committed to her and I am hers forever. It reminds me that I am faithful to her until we die. But also it does something else. It reminds her it reminds her that I will be faithful to her. It reminds her of my covenant before her and God. That's what the rainbow is. It's this beautiful sign that we can look at and see that God is faithful and awesome and beautiful and creative and powerful. But also when the rainbow is in the sky, God looks at it and he's reminded of his promise. Now, when we think of this word remind, we think about somebody who forgot something and then they remembered it. But that's not what this is. When we look at the Hebrew language, this, this idea of remembering, it means acting on a previous covenant that you had made. So whenever we see that rainbow in the sky, we can be reminded that God will keep his covenant, that he has created the covenant, he will sustain the covenant, and he's fulfilling the covenant. What a beautiful image. But I want to look at one more piece of this story. Why did God wipe out all humanity? because of their wickedness, right? God wiped out all animals and all humanity because of their wickedness. Genesis 6, 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So why did God save Noah? Is it because Noah was a perfect person and God knew that he could just have perfect people after that and there would be no more evil people? No, it's not. It's because God showed grace to Noah. And actually, look at Genesis chapter 8, verse 21. Now, this is after Noah gets off the ark and he offers a sacrifice to God. It says, when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. This is after the flood. This is when only Noah and his family exist. God says that man's heart hasn't changed. 
And we look throughout the Bible. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We see that the heart is dark. It can't understand the things of the Spirit of God. This is the human heart. It hasn't changed. Then what has changed? God's grace towards humanity. Grace, unmerited favor, something we don't deserve. See, the rainbow is a visible sign of God's invisible grace. Our hearts have not changed. They are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, and we are evil at our core. Yet God has given grace. We still deserve the wrath and punishment of God. Yet God has given grace. You see, we look at the story of Noah and we go, a new beginning for humanity. Yet humanity never changed. So where does the new beginning come from? The new beginning is only found in Jesus alone. The new beginning is only found in Jesus alone. You can try and change environments. You can try and change different cultures. You can try and change whatever you want to. Philosophies. Our world, all it's after all the time is trying to reach perfection or trying to reach that next best thing by trying every way that they can in order to remake our society better or whatever else. And the reality is we can't do that. In humanity, we can't do that because our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We only desire things for ourselves. The reality is that our new beginning that we want is in Jesus. If you're someone here today who you look around our world and you say, I just want a new beginning, maybe 2021 will change everything. Well, I am praying that COVID does uh, go away in 2021. I do pray that these, uh, these results of it go away. I do pray that it is a new season, that it is a new season of revitalization, revitalization. Yet it will never be our hope. It will never be your true new beginning. Because no matter what, nothing in this world is going to fulfill us. No matter what, we're always going to be looking for something more. So if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, Jesus is your new beginning. You can turn away from your old way of life. You can turn away from your sin. You can repent before God. You can say, God, I believe that Jesus is my new beginning. That you did die on a cross and that I can be forgiven of my sins. And I give my life to you today and ask you, to give me your grace. If you're a Christian, I want you to be reminded whenever you see a rainbow in the sky of God's faithfulness, whenever you see a rainbow that you would remember that while God made a covenant never to destroy the earth again with a flood, what happened that day is that God gave grace to humanity. And the covenant that he made with Noah was fulfilled when God sent his one and only son to live a perfect life, 
to die a death that we deserve in order that we could be forgiven and be in relationship with God for all eternity. Remember that. Thank God for that. And pursue Christ in this Christmas season. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.